you're either elite or you're not dog nation welcome back to another episode of off the leash you know not many teams get to compete for a national title uga has won one in 42 years i know you don't need the reminder but we're gonna keep hearing it until we win one and yeah here we are playing for a second one in the kirby smart era it's been seven games straight the bama has beaten us Everyone wants to know, when will UGA get over the hump? We got the talent. We got the coaches. We got the facilities. We got the recruiting structure, the fan base, all these elements. We just got to put it on the field and execute. Money and passion will only get you so far. (laughs) We have to do it on the field. If we play our best, there's no doubt in my mind that we can take it to the next level. The time is now. I'm Keegan, your host. With me, as always, is that dude, Shido Chibuye. This is Off the Leash. How you feeling, bro? I'm feeling like, you know, I want to say it's kind of like a long time coming, but Kirby did tell us after we got to that first national championship uh, a, a few years ago that Georgia wasn't going anywhere. And it turned out to be uh, somewhat prophetic as Georgia's found their way back to the big stage. The, the stage is set in Indy, uh, a battle, national championship stage, and Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis against the Alabama Crimson Tide. We've talked about it over and over again. This is the team that is going to be in our way, that has been in our way. SEC championships, national championships. Now it's time to put the pen to paper and to get it done. And dogs have another chance this Monday in Indianapolis to, to win it all, to be champions. You know, I heard recently on Twitter, on dog Twitter, I've been on sick Twitter all week. Right. <laughs> I, heard on, I heard on dog Twitter that in the airport in Indy, dog barking from folks <laughs> at the, at the, uh, the baggage check and the baggage claim have been been reported (laughs) echoing throughout the facility. So the dogs are landing there. The fan base is there. I'm sure the team is getting settled into all their media, this and that. And eventually, you know, they'll be quieting down, locking down. Uh, The cool thing is for, I guess a handful of these players, um, you know, this is their second time around. So there's some senior leadership and this is not their first big moment. You know, they're, you kind of worry, you know, if you're Cincinnati or some team that's kind of just, or even Michigan, you you get a little shell shot just with all the lights and the cameras and you you know, you just want to soak it in and enjoy the moment. But at the end of the day, that can be a little distracting and kind of a disadvantage, you know, Kirby's turning down, you know, the Gatorade bath because he's been here before he's, he's ready for this moment. I know he's got this team locked in. So we're, we're exactly where we want to be from a mindset standpoint. Uh, how do you feel about the national narrative that this game isn't sexy because it's a rematch because it's two sec teams because you know here we go again it's bama and georgia what do you, what are your thoughts on that narrative i personally eh, you, what do you have to say the narrative from a national tv espn for college football is not sexy because the entirety or a large geographical region of America is not, is not represented. 
the fact remains that Georgia and Alabama have recruited levels, levels above everybody else in the country. And who are the two teams remaining in the playoff? The two teams that have recruited the best. It is no surprise if you ask everybody in America, are these two teams the best teams in America? It's, it's not a question. It, it's really not a question. And Alabama has, from, from their own standards, has had a down season. You know, and they're still and they're still in championship game. So no, it's not sexy, but this is how the playoff was designed to operate. We want the best teams in and the best teams to play. Georgia or Alabama winning a national championship, everyone can feel comfortable saying the best team won. The only time it's a disappointment is when a team that really shouldn't have been there, like Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame's a great program, but every time they make one of these elite level bowls, they get their head smashed in. And some years they deserve to be there. Other years, I swear they're in there just because of the Indies on their jersey. Like, that's not what that's not what we're here for. Now, for Georgia, the narrative has been that we can't win on the big stage. Lately, it's been that we can't beat Alabama. History tells us that it's hard to beat a team twice, especially in a short period of time. And Kirby's had a good history as far as rematches go. We lost to we lost bad at Auburn. We were number two uh, in 2017. Yeah, 40 to 17, and then ended up putting a pretty good whooping on Auburn in the SEC championship that same year, just a few weeks later. Now, will that play in UGA's favor? I I would ask your opinion on it. Uh, Steve Spurrier's opinion on a piece that I read earlier today is that he, he, so (laughs) the media that asks these questions trying to get hot takes and stuff, he was very plain in his answer. He thinks Georgia is the best team. He thinks that they'll fix, that we'll fix some things that we messed up in the first game. Uh, and a lot of times, three, two, three, four plays change the complexion of a game. If we don't turn the ball over those two times and Jameis Winston doesn't have that one huge play off a of bust, yeah, it's like if you take – people get mad like when you say, oh, well, if you take the best plays out and their worst plays and put them in, yeah, it would be a different game. That's football. That's how it works. Mm-hmm. Yes, we lost by 17. One was a pick six. But we were in two possessions and we're in that game. It's really – it's really not that way if you sit down and break down the film. A lot of it comes down to two or three plays. But in your opinion, what what pros can we get from a rematch? Or are there any? Oh, there's definitely pros for a rematch. Um, you know, it was 2003, Georgia lost to LSU. They lost a pretty close one to, to LSU just by a touchdown in the regular season. And then – they got their ass handed to them again in the SEC championship. So I've seen it go both ways. I think it totally depends on so much more than is it, you know, are rematches advantageous? They are when you show up and correct the shit, you yeah. know, you, you suffered with, right. You know, mm-hmm. and you, we go out there and you execute it's, it's better. But then when you, you know, maybe the mistakes you made the first one, you, you never fix those issues. You make even more of those, you get even more exposed and you get your ass handed to you even more. So it could totally go either way. And I think it just depends a lot more on showing up in the field. Like that next year though, I will say that Georgia, you know, finally handed it to LSU 34, uh, 13. So, you know, they've kind of turned that around. So there was some positive silver lining there. But I do think that, yes, in this case, absolutely. It's a it's an advantage for Georgia because we didn't play our best. If Georgia played our best and got beat like they got beat last time, then I, I'm going to say this is a problem because, hey, what if we don't get – we played our best, we got our ass beat. So, you know, we didn't play our best, we got our ass beat. 
but we'd let Bama, you know, kind of stay in their lane, do exactly what they would like to do to any team. And, you know, any good quarterback worth their salt who is as elite, especially as Bryce Young, who has all the time in the world to stand back there. Yeah, it, it became a problem. Uh, we didn't play our game. We, we kind of got cute. And I think that this is just for us, this rematch, golden opportunity to fix those things, you know, play, do what we're good at, you know, what they in business and a lot of these higher thinking analytical books, they talk about the 80, 20 principle, what, you know, what 20% of things are you doing that are giving you 80% of the positive results that you'd like? Okay. So for us, we know what that kind of is. We are able to exploit the run game, uh, chuck off big passes, use our big tight ends, uh, let Stetson, you know, loose on his feet, uh, havoc plays. I mean, we we know the script. We we have a brand of football at this point that is nationally recognized. There's a reason we were favored against Alabama going into the SEC championship, and it was because we had established a brand of football that was very dominant and that people respected. And then we decided to go away from how we got to that point of notoriety. Yeah, that didn't so make we sense to me. Yeah, no. So this rematch – I think, you know, if the story is that, hey, we went back to what we were doing, you know, played our played our best game, I, I mean, I don't see it not at least being close, you know, and I see us having a really good shot of winning at, if we're doing those things. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at on the rematch thing. But it's funny that, the, that that's where the kind of conversation goes. And, of course, that's where you want to take it. But, I mean, you've been a part of teams. I've been a part of teams. Bama, I'm sure, will be the first to say the best thing that happened to them all season was, you know, getting their ass handed to them by Texas A&M, you know? Yeah. So, same with us. You know, we lost to Bama. That's a gift. We improved. We dominated uh, the best team. Uh, that would be, I, I would want to say, the best win of, that anyone's had all season uh, other than Bama's win over us, you know? I want to harp on the Rancy. point that you made about Alabama. Yeah. I think them losing to Texas A&M was the best thing that happened in their season. And I say that because that created a sense of desperation in Alabama. And when they played us in the SEC championship, in their minds, if they lost that game, there was a real possibility that they weren't even going to make the playoffs, bro. Like you got to understand, they were playing for a potential national championship in that game. And whether or not UJ fans and players want to admit it, we, we knew we punched our ticket. We were the best team going in and playing in another elite team. There's no way even we lost to that game 17 points that we weren't going to get in. And when you have that in the back of your mind, like, you're like, all right, like, it's cool. Like, I don't, you know, like, I'm not playing like, I'll die if we lose this. You know what I'm saying? Like, like right. I'm playing the field's hot lava and you can't step on it. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't play like with that mentality. And uh, sometimes desperation is all it takes. And now after getting embarrassed by Alabama, uh, as far as physically and really looking at the scoreboard without the context, I think there's a sense of desperation now. And I think UJ is a much better team, potentially better than Alabama, when the level of desperation is the same, if not more, for UGA, right? Bryce Young's the Heisman winner. They beat us last time. Like, yeah, Vegas has us favored, but yada, yada, yada. Now, I wanted to get your idea on, or your defensive thoughts on this game coming in. But... And let me pose it as a question. What can we learn and fix from the SEC championship games 
uh, the championship game? And how does that tie into your defensive thoughts? My opinion on there is we talked about in the last podcast, how I saw a little bit less Jordan Davis. I want to see a little bit more of that. I think Nick Saban is going to stick with the pass game. I want to see more dime and nickel packages and more agile defenders on the front, the front line, especially uh, the front four uh, people, whether you contain and drop back in coverage or bring blitzes all days. I've, I've seen numbers of uh, Bryce Young stats when we blitzed four versus his numbers when we blitzed five or more. And there's a pretty staggering difference there. So um, that's what I think we should do. But what are your thoughts on the defense? I think it's a really tricky line to play. And I, I saw that statistic too. And I do think we should just in general, either way, have more guys after Bryce Young. I mean, the stat line was such a dramatic contrast that you would, any coach would look at that and say, okay, we should definitely, you know, be blitzing more, get Bryce Young off of this spot. That said, we have to be very careful having the package in where Jordan Davis is part of it. Now, I love Jordan Davis, great player, elite, got a motor like, uh, you know, a, like a Hemi. But this dude is a big guy, and yeah. big guys get winded. And what I saw Bama do when they played Cincinnati, Cincinnati's got like that 3-3 stack. They kind of have a lower – uh, you know, kind of, I guess, a quicker defense of yeah, front. It's you know, way different than kinda, what we run. So we won't be able to replicate that. Right. And so Alabama saw that. They just were like, okay, you guys are going to be in this kind of conservative, get, getting ready for us to pass defense. We're just going to run it down your throat. So I think the best thing that Alabama does, period, is they adjust. And I think if you come out there ready to defend the pass, they're just going to run it on you. <laughs> you know, I think we just, should honestly like line up in some kind of base shell, try to, you know, rotate guys, try to have big plays because if you, if you have big enough plays, they're not going to be playing that hurry up style offense where they're keeping you off the field. It's like when you let them get rolling, then it's a problem. So if we can have havoc kind of with our base packages, I feel like that's the best case scenario because then, yeah, we can have Jordan Davis in and out. We can be getting those guys, uh, the guys we want on the field, but it's just when we're playing on our heels. Uh, and I saw Cincinnati kind of come out with something that we hadn't tried the first game as much and it, it backfired like majorly. So um, we'll see. I, I think that the main thing is Bryce Young has to get, you know, pressured. He has to feel uncomfortable early. We got to, you know, lay some hits on him, even if we're not, you know, getting the sack or whatever, he's got to feel the, hear the footsteps, feel the pressure, etc. You know, if we were to, lose this game and it's a you know it's a reality that we could Alabama's a great team a lot of people are still picking them they beat our ass last seven times so hey you know who's to say an eighth won't happen but if we're to lose this game I I feel like deep in my heart of hearts dude we gotta lose it dying on our own sword we gotta lose it doing what we've done well all season we gotta lose it doing what we're good at like that that I'm cool okay we had a great season you know, we, yeah. we tried all that shit. They are ready for it. They beat our ass, whatever. Okay. That let's do as us, opposed bro. to, yeah. Like, you know, we tried some new stuff. It didn't work Ugh. out. Maybe and we then it tried looks the old terrible stuff. on film. Yeah. Lost. Like if they beat, yeah. if they just beat us, so be, I mean, so be it. But like this stuff yeah. where we're just embarrassing ourselves on film and it just looks yeah. bad. No, nah, I can't yeah. have that, bro. 
you it's like when you got like a, a buddy over back in the day playing ncaa you know they're they don't really know the game as well as you mm. and you see they're in a goal line set because they think this one looks tough you know they're just looking at the dots <laughs> they're looking at those big circles they're like okay cool yeah goal line yeah and then but you're on like the 20 yard line and you're you just like line up and shotgun and throw it 80 <laughs> yards and do the half the game i mean like that is kind of what i felt like uh kind of was happening to Georgia. We were just getting got, we were getting too cute with these like formations. And then we get kind of stuck and stuck in the mud with it. I feel like we got to play aggressive. We got to not outsmart ourselves. I mean, it's one thing to lose the game. It's one thing to, you know, lose to Bama again, to lose the national championship. All that shit sucks, but none of it would be fun. I'm emotionally prepared myself for it, even though I really think we have a great shot. I think we can win. That said, we cannot lose doing this conservative, super duper, I don't know, like we're trying to outsmart Bama. Let's just do what we've done well all season. If that doesn't work, then adjust. But like coming in with these game plans, they're like, oh, like I got the perfect wild game plan. It's like, dog, like no, just just chill out. Like just let's just play our game. So that is the biggest thing. This is Dan Lanning's last, you know, last game with UGA. Let's hope he ends on a high note. And get ready for Nick Saban to, you know, dial up some surprises because I think that, you know, Nick Saban's as nervous as anyone right now. You know, yeah, it, he is. Someone like Nick Saban never lets off the pressure, never thinks he's got it in the bag. That's why they've done so great. So he's, you know, he's thinking what we're thinking. <laughs> so I expect Nick Saban to be very aggressive. Would not be surprised if they go for fourth downs, if they try to demoralize us, onside kick it. Would not be surprised by any of that, but um, main thing is we have to play our game. What what would what am I missing here? And to continue uh, continue on a defensive on a defensive thought here, um, a, a couple of things. I want. I mean, you, you've you've already said it, but I think it needs to be emphasized. The goal in this game again, you have two choices with Bryce Young. You have two choices because I really don't think they're going to be able to run on us regardless of the package. It's get home on Bryce or contain and cover. You can do that in a multitude of ways. You can do that in a multitude of packages, dime, nickel, take, take your pick. But I think the thought process behind it, again, uh, a lot of teams have employed this with Kansas city. You want to have two safeties back there as much as you can. You can just you can disguise this. You can, you know, hit it with a cover three, hit it with a cover four. You can do a robber like they did to Stetson, which we'll talk about from the offensive thing. They will try to confuse Stetson, but the two safeties is to limit their big plays. If they can't run the ball, Jameis wins, Jameis, Jameson Williams, excuse me. Against Cincinnati, they hit him with a bunch of underneath routes. They took what the defense gave them. That's why they weren't super explosive. They just nickel and dimed it, ran the ball, ran the ball. That's the best case scenario for us because I think if that happens, we can keep up with the scoring. So two safeties back there, make them work the field. Hopefully penalties and turnovers can catch up with them or we get home on Bryce. Uh, those are my thoughts uh, on the defense. And it's, it's if this defense can just play it's the way it's played all season or half of that. I mean, Alabama puts up what, 30, 30 plus, 40 plus on people. If we can hold them to 28, 28 yeah. to thir- low 30, we have a chance, but that's what it's going to take. Good shot. We have a we have a good shot. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my uh my end on the defensive thoughts. Uh, offensively, 
which is really going to be the talking point of the game, which is the sexy stuff the media wants to talk about. Give me your thoughts on what we should do offensively, whether it comes from Stetson or the offensive line, and I'll hit you with mine as well. Well, I think that we have the best running back room in the country and the best tight end room in the country by far. Like there are other position groups, defensive line, linebacker, like defensive back. You could argue a lot of them, but the ones that just immediately stand out to me are the running backs and the tight ends. I feel like we're so deep in this area in offenses that are able to implement, you know, throwing the ball to what I call dual threat receivers, someone that can block, someone that can run, someone that can do kind of multiple things and catch. That's a big deal. So we got to use that. We got Darnell Washington, you know, some touches in these last couple games. I'd love to see him get some more touches because he's a big target and people are going to be, you know, doing everything they can to slow down Brock Bowers. Uh, you know, Fitzpatrick comes sneaking off on a, a little, little goal line route. Any, any little thing we can do to use these uh, advantages that we have. We saw James Cook have a big game. We saw Kenny McIntosh really be an impact player. Uh, you know, I would like to see Zeus in on a high note. I mean, for God's sakes, we have so much talent at these positions that if we can mix it up, find ways to get them the ball, then our receivers are open. Then they're biting on the run. Then, you know, when that we can, we're out in these blocking, heavy blocking three tight end sets, it's a lot easier to do whatever we want out of them. So I feel like that is a great way to start. And I think that we will do that. We did that amazingly in the last game. And I feel like that was actually one of the biggest reasons we were able to have success because yeah, our receivers had some big plays, but it was really, you know, the receiving of the tight ends and the running backs that were, uh, and you know, the running back passes as well. So, uh, we were able to really use that, utilize that. And I think that is the biggest thing we got to do is just get Bama off balance and have them guess because we have so many weapons. We, we can't seem one dimensional when we have that many weapons like that would be the biggest failure if, if we if we go out there and mix it up and try all these things i'm talking about doesn't work okay but you know i i personally just don't want to feel let down like we didn't do our shit like if we lose the game that's one thing hey we're here it was an amazing season like i'll be so happy i'm, I'm gonna be proud i'm gonna enjoy it i'm gonna be cheering on everybody like me and you will have a we won't be all pouty you know it's a national title game like you know it's it's great that we made it this far but like just go out there and like, you know, do what we've done all season. I feel like that is the biggest thing for me on the offensive side, involving those guys, keeping Bama off balance. Now we've seen this show before. We've heard all the talk all week. Do you think Bama uh, outscores us in this game? Or do you think, do you, do you see the high scoring route since we're talking about the off offense or do you see it being more of a conservative old school SEC game? Like what are your thoughts kind of on the vibe of what we're, we're going to be facing offensively? Honestly, I think what works best, uh, what work, works best for UGA as a game plan is to avoid uh, a shootout at all costs. That's, that's not what we want to do. Uh, it kind of reminds me like in, in basketball, in the NBA, right. the game's changed now to where everybody shoots uh, three-pointers. But before everybody started making that shift, Golden State was such a – they were such a high-volume three-point shooting team that they would they would just drown teams in it, especially in the third quarter when they go on runs. And if you know the NBA, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, really, the only team that got close that was really capable of doing it was the Houston Rockets back when James Harden played with them. But 
other than that, other teams didn't have the personnel to have a shootout with Golden State, but they would still try to do it. They were just shooting up all these threes that have the worst percentage and like, oh, well, we tried to keep up. Yeah, but you don't got the personnel. You don't got Steph and Clay and uh, Iggy right. and all these people to do that. They have that. We don't have the offense to really uh, keep up with Alabama shootout. That's not what we should try to do. Instead, what we need to do, like you said, that formation where we can have tight ends kind of bunched, where we can block and pass and play action, and you cannot tell how we're going to attack you because if Brock Bowers is there, he could be an H-back to block. He could slip out and fake a block and get in the flats, or he can go and attack your safety and be gone behind your secondary in a blink of an eye. I think, I think for us it is to be aggressive with those hybrid formations but be flexible. Understand that Alabama is going to make adjustments and adjust. Don't be like Cincinnati, and I know that was their base 3-3-5, but in the first quarter, if you've ever watched a football game, you could tell that Alabama was going to keep running the ball. Three down linemen, right. they're just going to keep right. running the ball. Don't With be, that much success? You don't know? Be, yeah, don't be stubborn. Like, I understand do your bread and butter, but do it the best, the best, most flexible way that you can, right? Be flexible. It's one game. For Georgia, it's establish the run. In those formations, get the RPO game going with Stetson Bennett. Take shots early and often. You have weapons in Bowers and Pickens, Burton, and Cook. Though this offense isn't the most sexy with, you know, empty sets and stuff like that, it's well-balanced. And it can, it can hurt you in a multitude of ways. And really what we need to do is make those linebackers think. Toa Toa and Will Anderson, they need to be – they need to be dissecting every play. I want them thinking every play. Do I have to cover this? Is it a run? Is it a pass? Is Stetson going to fly? Do I, do I spy? Do I contain? Like that's that's one mistake. One mistake can be a touchdown, and that's what we're going to have to put on them and hold possession. Also, the thing about establishing the run is it keeps Alabama's offense on the sideline. That is best-case scenario. Keep this game high 20s, low 30s. We got a chance. Yeah, I see – Exactly what you're saying, and I'm worst case scenario would be like Bama throwing 50 times again, which is probably what they'll try to do. That's what they're going to try to but, do, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. And you know, honestly, it's going to be one of those things. It's going to be we're we're going to win some, get some sacks, get them down, and then I'm sure there's going to be some. He's going to make plays. Touchdowns. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be hard plays. to contain that. It's going to be quite challenging. But like you said, you know, if we can just do half of what we need to, you know, yeah, if the standard's been limiting teams to, like, under 10 points all year, then, yeah, if we can just get them to, like, I don't know, 28. Bro, 28, 30, that's a ball game. I'm telling you, yeah, we can be in that sure. game. We can be in oh, that yeah. game, especially without the pick six, the red zone turnovers. Converting on third down and red zone opportunities are going to have to be made. When In this game, I'll tell you, I'll tell you exactly when you can get excited as a dog fan or when you can start. Oh no, here we go again. When we're not converting third downs, when it's field goals instead of touchdowns and vice versa mm-hmm. for Alabama, if we're holding them to field goals versus touchdowns and they're not, and they're getting off the field, the momentum of the game will change real quick. And then halftime started all over again. That's how this game is going to go. I guarantee you conversion, 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 red zone opportunities, halftime, same thing on the other side. This game is going to go four quarters. If Alabama goes down 21, keep your TV on. They are going to keep on <laughs> throwing that ball. It's not going to stop. Don't even get your heart rate up until the fourth because, like, it's going to be a game. There's not going to be no blowouts. And if there is, the other team's going to come back. The, the 
NCAA has every incentive to keep this an interesting game. The referees are going to be working hard. Referees are going to be working hard on Monday. So just, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have an extra gray hair or two. I feel coming on, bro. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there, hey, there's always a chance we could end up whipping their ass. <laughs> you know, there is. That's, that's also that, that also works in the back of my mind because. You know, you've seen that quote eventually when Georgia beats them. They're going to yeah, not dude. just beat them all over. They're going to beat them bad. I, yeah, I, dude, the dam's going to break. Some, I believe it, too. There's, there's something to that. There's there something is. to that. But I think mentality-wise, you know, they may say they're the underdog, but, I mean, they've already beat us. And maybe on some, like, betting line, they're the underdog. But, like, pretty much everyone's picking Alabama. They beat us seven games in a row. And this is the national title, like, I feel like the senior leadership, all the, all the things we talk about, the, all, the, all the factors that, you know, you could really think of from a psychological level. Georgia's really got a good edge going into this game. They, they're hungry for it. They've worked on, you know, correcting what they want to do. And I don't think – I think one of the best things that happened is that Georgia got to play Alabama and could afford a loss yes. because, you know, you, you, it looks like anybody was going to have to go through Bama to be a national champion, right? And we've so, already got to sample it. We have film. We know exactly oh, what level we have to play at to be Please. with them. You know, I'll take I'll take that. You know, Ooh. yeah. Like, what if we hadn't had all that undefeated going out there, thinking like we were at SEC championship, and we saw and we see what we saw in that game. You right. know, so this is a gift. You know, this not many teams are able to do this. So anybody, any dog fan that's you know whatever about playing Bama, hey, it's a Someone had to beat Bama this year, apparently. So let it be us. Let it let it be these guys. So uh, this would be a historical team. Something that's crazy. I saw the stat and I sent it to you and we kind of discussed it. But Stetson Bennett currently sits at number one overall for passer rating since 1980. And behind him is Aaron Murray. So at 178 passer rating and – Single-season QBR since 2004, also number one. So he has been historically great. Now, mm. hey, I love me some JT Daniels. Those five stars are there for a reason. But this guy has executed on a high level. Stetson Bennett came into this game at one point. Great story. He was Baker Mayfield. Hey, that's the guy we like. He played Baker pretty well. Yeah. And, hey, in Georgia won. Then it was a great story. You know, he came back. He won a game. What? Stetson Bennett starting win, wins a game? But then, you know, we saw him develop, mature. We saw mistakes. We we turned – the fan base turned on him, myself included. You know, he deserved it a little bit. But not that we were rooting for him as a person. But, you know. And then Stetson Bennett came through clutch after losing and played his best game yet in the brightest lights yet. As good as any quarterback you could possibly want to Big do. time. Okay. But all that said, I'm tired of hearing about Stetson Bennett, the walk-on. We don't need Stetson Bennett, the walk-on. They even did that. As great as it's been. Once upon a time, there was Gandalf the Gray. <laughs> he had to become Gandalf the White. This is Stetson Bennett's moment. If he plays a big game, he will be no longer Stetson the walk-on. He will be officially certified the mailman in, in Georgia the history. The legend, and, yes. And that's who we're going to need. Now, I, I think that he can do it. I, I've seen him do it. I went and did some digging. I was like, well, let's compare old Stetson, which is, just sounds funny still. Cause you know, he's, I guess in your mind, you expect these imposing figures, but Stetson's a little baller. All right. He's a little baller. So you compare him to some of the great quarterbacks of late, go and look at Joe Burrow's numbers, unreal passer rating 202. Okay. 
super hot, top of the top. Wow. You go look at Mac Jones, 203. Wow. Amazing. Another quarterback that did exceptionally well. He won the national title. Trevor Lawrence, you go look at his statistics. 169, lower than Stetson this year. Now his stats improved, and you know he is doing did even better things with that number one draft pick. But still, the fact remains, Stetson Bennett is in the range of championship winning quarterbacks when he's at his best. If Stetson can play his best game, he's right up there with the college football elite. I don't know if he's got a pro career. I don't know if he could do it another season in a row, but. Stetson has got us to this point. He's played amazing. And I think that we might be talking about a little bit of mailman history. So the numbers suggest he's that. effective. I, I like that. Yeah. stat. That's a great stat yeah. because again, yeah. you know, I'm always looking for the yards and the touchdowns, but if he's effective, that's what Kirby and Munkin must've seen. That's where their confidence must come from. Those effective numbers, like however you get it done, mm-hmm. get it done. Style points are relevant. Style points are relevant. Yeah. So I think that's his advantage. Let's just hope that, you know, he, he gets it done. But if JT does get in this game, because we're still thinking that, and I, and some of us still have it in the back of us, our minds that, Hey, we have that option. You know, if we've got to pull the cord, right. Yeah. Break the break, break the glass or whatever. Yeah. Uh, if JT gets in this game, is that a good or bad thing? <laughs> if, if it turns into a shootout, I think it's good. I think it's good for us. I, I think, again, and I say this from what I've seen from JT. Now, coming off the bench cold, we'll see. But I think we'll convert. I think he gives us a deep threat. I think that allows us to attack the their injuries on defense. Job is not playing at cornerback. Um, Mechie is out, so that should limit their explosiveness a little bit. Um, that gives Kirby every reason to bring more blitz on the right side of their offensive line where they're missing. I think it's a right guard. No, maybe it's the center and the right guard or center and tackle. They're missing a couple guys. Um, so it allows us to further exploit their injury losses. JT coming in shouldn't have changed the, shouldn't change the aggressiveness. Maybe the play call and how you want to go, go, you can go empty. You, I want to see James cook right beside JT Daniels every single time because they're going to blitz him and he is a perfect little outlet. Brock Bowers, perfect little outlet. Um, if yeah. they don't, then we've got deep shots all over Burton Pickens. I, I would love to see JT in this game, but I'll be worried if we do, because that means. Right. Stetson maybe made some bad decisions and put us in a hole. It's going to be tough well, to climb out of a hole. That's true. I think that, you know, hopefully that's not the case. JT, I think is capable. I, you know, you, you would never want this to happen, but injuries happen all the time. At least from a quarterback room perspective, I feel like we definitely have the advantage. If if both starting quarterbacks, God forbid, rolled an ankle, shit happens. I, I like where we stand having JT there because there have been many teams in big games where they have lost their best player or lost, you know, their leader at quarterback. And it's it's the game has unarguably changed. I remember it was Texas and not – too many long years ago, uh, quarterback went down. That was the end of it, you know, yeah. and it was a tromping from that point on. So yeah. we, I like where we stand there. I like where we stand with death period. Um, that said, what, what kind of, uh, things are you going to be looking for watching during the game? Anything that we haven't covered that you think may be a storyline going forward? It's been 42 years since Georgia's won a national title. Where are you at? 
looking at the game? <sighs> it, it's hard to say. Because when I watch when I watch Nick Saban games, he's so good about like every coach every coach on both sides has studied and watched film about every scenario that could possibly go down, every formation. These teams know each other. There's no secrets. But Nick Saban always seems to find a way to have this one wrinkle, right? This one mm-hmm. wrinkle that no one else thought of. So I'm going to be looking for those little wrinkles and I'm going to try to find them early. But the thing is, he'll just reset the playbook at halftime. So it's like it's halves with him. You you may see a, a fake special teams play. Uh, you might not see it to the third or the fourth. You might see random formations running the ball exclusively first half or empty, empty sets or uh, a lot of motion or a lot of, you know, whatever the case is, there's always a wrinkle. And I'm always looking for those things because – when once he gets once he gets on you with those wrinkles, mm-hmm. it usually takes teams a long time to adjust, or they're just not able to adjust. So th- those are things I'm looking for, and I'm yeah. looking for momentum, and I'm looking for third down conversions, dude. It's the game of football; it changes a lot, but it always stays the same. Can we get them off the field? How is uh, Stetson Bennett doing offensively? Are they stopping what we want to do? Or are we stopping what they want to do? That that's ultimately the game. You know, Nick Saban, go right amazing mastermind coach if he wins this game if he loses this game he's 70 years old well do you think that do you think we'll be seeing the last nick saban game potentially like when does nick saban hang it up and do you think it's you know if you're nick saban you do you consider after you win potentially you know hanging it up on top or you know do you push it another year because you got that bitter taste of defeat in your mouth so what do you think like how, how does that play out? I'll go tell you right now. I'm selfish. So honestly, man, I would love to see him get more rings, but not at our expense. <laughs> you know? Right. I, so I think if he wins, so at his age, he's done it all, seen it all. More trophies, I think, reaffirms that he can still do this. I think a changing of the guard is what he's going to need to retire. That may fuel his fire. He's that tight, but it may also extinguish it. I think if we could beat them this year, I think it would take us beating them again or somebody else beating them again next year before he hung it up. I think when he starts losing out on the recruits, that negative recruiting, like, oh, he's about to hang it up, about to hang it up, that's when he'll eventually hang it up. If he gets another one or two and cements his already cemented legacy as the GOAT, that old, that old man loves what he does. And the last thing he needs is positive reinforcements. I want to put some doubt in his mind. That's what I want to do as a university. As great as he is, I want to be the one to knock him off. I don't want to wait for him to retire for UJ to win a title. I want to knock him off now in my heart of hearts. Hey, TBD. me too. T- TBD, for real though. Nick Saban gets all the credit that he deserves, but I think that what doesn't get enough credit and eventually maybe will is just this amazing staff that Georgia has put together. You know, you talk about elite recruiting, elite players, but this is an elite staff too. You know, Kirby Smart has gotten some slack for maybe not being up to par with like the GOAT, Nick Saban, but you just look at the staff he's curated. He's not trying to outsmart Nick Saban. He's got the people around him in place that we need to make the decisions to, you know, play the game. If both players, if all the players go out, 
execute on a high level, it's going to come down to coaching. And that's, you know, what a lot of pundits think. And it's really easy to give Nick Saban, you know, credit where credit's due and say this or that. But I think that we are just as equally capable. So I don't think in anyone's mind as a Georgia fan should you be thinking, oh, you know, it's going to take some miracles. It's going to take Stetson Bennett having 500 yards. I mean, all these yeah. things would be – would could could and would be great. But the coaches really could decide this too. And I think that, you know, it won't just be – it'll be a huge victory now. But it'll be earned. It'll be warranted because, you know, Kirby has done an amazing job curating the staff. And only time will tell. I think Dan Lanning is going to be uh, – a future, you know, like a hall of famer coach, like so far his resume is just superb. I mean, there's a reason he's like mid thirties, not even quite uh, getting a head coaching job at an elite position like Oregon. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you look at Todd Monk and you think of uh, Will Muschamp, you think of all these minds that are on the, on the, on the side of the red and black. I think that's actually going to be something big. Uh, but yeah, it's like, you know, I'm just excited, man. It's like, you know, getting my emotions when the dogs are playing for national title. I remember, I remember tears of victory and tears of joy. So just excited for the game. I personally, if uh, if we can lean into prediction mode now, I personally see Georgia uh, kicking some ass, you know. I, I really do. I think having this rematch, it's not over zealous to say. It's what I want to happen, so that's what I'm going to say. It might be a little stretch, but I, I do see Georgia what coming was the score back, last learning. Time? 40, last time was uh, 41-24. I'm going to yeah. take that. Give me give me your score prediction. I'm going to work on mine here. I'm going to take that pick six away. I'm going to – I will flip it and say uh, Georgia 37, Bama 20. And – I think it's, I think it's very doable, you know, end of the day, Georgia just needs to execute. You know, we can't get too cute, dude. I mean, it's super hard, bro. Winning a title back to back. I mean, that's, it is a really challenging thing. It it is hard to beat a team. However many times in a row that they beat us. It's hard to beat a team in a rematch. It's hard to go back to back. The, 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 the air, the rare air that Nick Saban is trying to, breathe right now at the top of Mount Everest, it would kill any other human. Like it's not, it's not something (laughs) that happens all the time. So we have those things in our favor. But if you think for a second that he cares about (laughs) any of that stuff, as much as I hate losing Alabama, Nick Saban is a dude. He's a rare breed, man. And I just got to respect everything that he does. That's why beating them while he's still at the top of his game would be such a feat in itself. So for me, and I got to go dogs. I got to go dogs for all the reasons I've said, but I think it'll be a nail biter, uh, a heart stopper, a tear jerker, all in one. But I think a new venue in Indianapolis and the rematch and the confidence that this team has going in and the injuries that they have sustained, I think they all form the perfect storm. And I'm going 28 to 24 in regulation. Dogs on top. Please, in regulation. I don't even want to see national it champions, bro. That's 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 all I got, bro. That's all I got. Hey, hey, hey! Dogs on top, dog nation. You know what it is. We've got our predictions. We could we could spin this thing in circles. I'm sure uh, the other pundits will. But 
it's it's a big game in Indianapolis. Hope I'm you guys spent, are ready. Boy. Yeah. Uh, call, let your boss know you're gonna be a little late come Tuesday because <laughs> we turned it up. Boy. We <laughs> we get to chill. If you go, if you want to catch COVID on Tuesday, just for like six hours, like you know, it wouldn't be a bad time to do so. Everybody, uh, everybody, be safe out there. Yeah, Go dogs. Be safe, bro. Get healthy. You, you know what it is. Off the leash. Off the leash. I do it for the dogs.